Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. This whole month of October, we've been dealing with uh, some things about uh, prayer and uh, what uh, prayer teaches us uh, through uh, uh, what God says in His Word, uh, how He teaches us about prayer, what He says about prayer. And uh, we've already looked at a few things uh, concerning prayer as far as like uh, Jesus' habits of prayer. Uh, we looked at some things about asking and receiving, that uh, when we ask, it needs to be in accordance with His will. Um, and then even last week, we focused in on some of the reasons why our prayers go unanswered. And this is all in preparation for really this, uh, this coming weekend, uh, the week that we need to be spending in prayer. And, um, you know, it's not the fact that we ever come to a point where we have this prayer thing figured out, because in, in reality, we, we really don't. Um, we need to continue striving more and more, uh, learning how to pray, um, having the Lord teach us uh, about prayer, and just to really get a, a good understanding of what uh, Scripture teaches us about that. So let's look at a couple things here this morning. Uh, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to two places, uh, Matthew 6, verses uh, 5 through 15, and Luke 11, 1 through 4. We're going to begin there. Uh, but then I really want to give you some uh, scriptural truths that I think about prayer that can kind of get us understanding uh, about this whole thing of how to pray. And um, I think there's a misunderstanding of some of the, the things that the disciples talked about here with our Lord. Um, and this uh, thing that what's become known as the disciples' prayer model um, you find Jesus talking to his disciples, and uh, one of his disciples comes up to him, and he says basically, Lord, teach us to pray as John did uh, his disciples. And from out of that, uh, we have these words that Jesus gives as this model prayer uh, for us to pray. And, uh, you know, what's interesting to think about, though, is the, the disciple never asked, Lord, teach us um, how to pray, but it's more in the lines of teach us to pray, having this desire to pray. And look what Scripture teaches us here, uh, what the Lord tells us here, especially out of uh, Luke beginning. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive Ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Matthew's account adds these words, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward, but when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And so when we think about praying, uh, having the desire to pray, I, I think that's really where we need to be driven to, 
is having the desire to pray, having the desire to connect with God. Um, there's a book that uh, Jesse and I have been kind of reading and going through and discussing, and one of the things about it is where prayer is very first mentioned. Uh, it's in Genesis, and it's the fact that that's when they begin to call on God. And you think about that, right? Like that whole thing about prayer, it's calling upon God. It's, it's connecting with him, having the desire to have him connect with you in his life. And if you think about Jesus, you think about God, everything that is in him, all the power, everything. And when we are connected to that, we are connected to that power source. And so when our Lord teaches us here about prayer, and he, I believe he's trying to get us to have this desire to pray, a desire to be connected with him. Not just this thing of like going to God and asking him like, a, you know, you're rubbing the lamp like a genie. You know, you're, hopefully you're pulling the handle like a slot machine, hoping you get everything lined up and then ching, you know, all the things come out. That's not what he's talking about here. We need to be connected with him, having this desire to pray. And now I'm going to give you some things about the how, the mechanics of it, but I really want to focus in on about having this desire uh, being connected with him. So this is what I'd like for you to take away with you this morning. If I want to know how to pray, I need to understand my relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And really that's what it's all about, is our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And I think when we understand that, we understand our relationship, and we understand what God has done in our hearts and in our lives, that it should give us more of a desire to connect with him through prayer. So let's take a look at a few uh, scriptural truths here that we find in God's word. Number one, your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If we're going to have the desire to pray and know how to pray, we need to understand our relationship with God through Jesus You see, the basis of all of our prayer is having a right relationship with God. Because we come to God through who? Through Jesus. He is our mediator. He is the one that we access God. We don't come to God through Mary. We don't come to God through lighting candles or uh, rubbing beads, right? We come to God through Jesus Christ. He is our only mediator uh, to God. You see, all of us were born sinners. All of us, the Bible tells us that we were conceived in iniquity. We are born into this world as sinners. Uh, we are separated from God, alienated from God. Uh, we have no hope. There's no, uh, there's no way of us to ever try to get to God on our own because we are sinful. But see, that's where Jesus Christ steps in, and the Bible tells us that he became flesh. God himself was sent on this earth, and he became flesh. He became like one of us, yet without sin. He lived a perfect life, and he went to the cross, and he took our sin debt on the cross. He took, God's, he took our punishment, God's punishment for us. He took that upon himself, and he was, he was crucified, and he died, and then he resurrected. And so because all of us are sinful, only God could ever fix our sin problem. And so that day when you turned to Jesus Christ, that day that you trusted Christ and you repented of sin and believed the gospel, believed in Christ, 
God fixed that problem in your life. And now you have been, had, been able to have a connection with God through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus makes it possible. And so when we come to God through Jesus for salvation, we also come to God through Jesus for prayer. I think so many times in our lives, because we come to know Christ, now we somewhat disconnect ourselves from the Father. We disconnect ourselves from Jesus Christ, thinking, well, now I can do all of this on my own. But that's really not the case, is it? We still have to be connected to God through Jesus, even in our prayers. If we're ever going to have the desire to pray, we need to understand God's promises and prayer to those who know him. And I think one of the reasons why we do not pray or have the desire to pray is simply because we don't understand our relationship with him through prayer. In other words, we, we believe that God is over there like some distant, far, way, way, way out there. Um, but scripture tells us that we come boldly before the throne. Uh, and some of the other scriptures we're going to look at here in just a moment um, should really uh, help us understand that. But when we don't understand our relationship with God, I think we do not understand our relationship through prayer. We don't understand that we can go to God, we can pray. We should have the desire to pray. And I think the more that that, that, that relationship fosters, the more time we spend with God, the more time we spend reading his word, understanding who he is, that that relationship builds. Um, how many of you in men, men here are afraid to ask your wife anything? So that's kind of a weird question. Well, hopefully, you know, because of your relationship with your spouse, and as it grows, you should be able to feel comfortable to talk about things, ask questions, right? Um, and I think so many times our prayers are so distant from God because we just do not know God, who he is. Uh, we don't spend time with him. And we're not connected with him uh, in that way. Interesting enough, Jesus reaffirms what our relationship is like with the Father. And I'm going to give you uh, here six uh, passages of Scripture that really reaffirm this, that, that should help us understand our relationship with the Father and understand our relationship with God through Jesus Christ and how it's connected to prayer. Um, th the first three that we're going to look at here were given... Uh, Jesus tells about these things about halfway uh, through the second year of his ministry. And the last three that we're going to look at are given at the very end, the very close of his, his life. I mean, we're talking like the last 10 days that he spent on this earth. We're talking like the last very few hours of his life. Uh, that Jesus spends with his disciples. And, and I think as Jesus got closer and closer to that time that he was going to be crucified, I think the intensity uh, was there for him to spend more and more time with his disciples and to teach them about prayer. Uh, because I think he knew that he was going to be leaving. So here they are. Here's the first one. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Jesus says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree, notice this, notice the place of prayer, on 
earth. And look at what applies to that. Anything. If two of you are agreeing on earth, and what applies? Anything. Anything. And notice the certainty of this. He says, if you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be what? Done. Not maybe, not not if everything is, you know, right. He says, it will be done. There's a certainty of this. And this is our relationship that we have with our Father. If anything, you, you ask anything on earth, he says, it will be done. And then he tells us why. He says this, for where two or three are gathered, I love this promise, for where two or three gathered in my name, there am I among them. What? Jesus is telling us something here about a relationship with him. He says if there's two praying, there's actually three praying. If there's three praying, there's actually four praying. He says, I am there in the midst and I am praying for these things to be done. And Jesus is always there. And what's encouraging about this is that the Father always hears Jesus. And so we can rest assured that if we are praying together on earth and we're asking the Father for something to be done, Jesus is there praying with us and we should always know that the Father hears Jesus Christ. Here's a second one, Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. And Jesus said, answered them, have faith in God. You should really underline that word uh, in God, that phrase in God. Maybe you should do it twice there. The emphasis in prayer is God and should always be God. The emphasis in prayer should never be about us. It should never be about our desires. The emphasis in prayer is always and should be always centered around God. Jesus answered them, have faith in God. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Now that's rather interesting, is it not? Jesus here is not advocating a mountain movers ministry. Okay, he's not saying, all right, guys, we need to get somebody in charge of mountain movers ministry. Uh, we need to have people that are going to go out and uh, say to the mountains, get out of the way, mountains, right? There's never really been a need to move mountains, right? I mean, unless you're like building an interstate or something like that, but then they just use dynamite, right? And they just blow it all pit to pieces. But he's telling us something here about prayer and about these mountains, right? The need for these moving these mountains has never been needed, but Jesus chooses probably one of the most difficult things to move. Now, you just think about some mountains, right? How many of you ever been to some mountains, like maybe in different areas? Okay, a few of you. All right. Has anybody in here climbed Mount Everest? No? None of you? Okay. All right. Um, you, you think about like Mount Everest, right? I mean, that's, that's like the largest mountain. Um, you know, or Mount Kilimanjaro or El Capitan, right? Like some of these large mountains, 
Would it be hard to move that mountain? Absolutely. But Jesus is giving this as an illustration. He's, he's picking the most difficult thing that could ever be to move. And he's saying, have faith in God. And he makes this connection there. He says, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done. Now notice that, what he says, and does not doubt in his heart. You see, this is Jesus' definition of faith, this doubting in our hearts. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. What an incredible promise. So look at how Jesus makes it apply to us. He says, I say to you then, whoever, right? Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, whoever, right? This whole thing, whoever says to this mountain. And then he says this other thing about whatever, whoever and whatever, so those of us that know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're connected to God through Jesus Christ. He says we can come to Him, whoever, we can come to Him in prayer, and we can ask whatever, even the things that might even seem impossible to move in our lives. Now, the last four here that we're going to look at are found in the book of John. And if you really want to get an in-depth perspective of the last night of Jesus that he spent with his disciples, I, I encourage you to read uh, John chapters uh, 13 through 17. But here's, here's the first one here, John 14, 13 through 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask me anything in my name, I will what? Do it. You see the connection there? You see the repetition here that Jesus is giving us? He wants you to, to understand that you are connected to the Father through Jesus. And because we have that connection, that relationship, he says whatever we ask in his name, he will do it. He already told him these things, and uh, he's saying them again. And why do you think Jesus is repeating himself? You think Jesus is maybe like having a senior moment here? You know, he's got brain fog going on? No. He knows how often we forget that. He knows how often we forget that we can ask, that we can ask whatever, whoever, and he will do it. We forget what our relationship is like with the Father. You know, being a, being a husband, being a father has really taught me a lot of interesting things. And I, you know, having my daughter growing up now and, and having her ask things and, and she's starting to understand little things a little bit more. And she knows, you know, what buttons to push to get what she wants, right? She knows the right questions to ask or the right way to ask them to have dad Give her what she wants, right? And I think about that with our relationship with God. You know, again, we, I think we treat God so much like he's some out there, just some far distant 
uh, God that we have no connection with him. But he is our father. And we can go to him and we can ask him about anything. And just what Jesus said, you ask me anything in my name and I will do it. Here's the next one, John 15, 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. That word abide is a very interesting word. It's a very strong word. It does not mean to just stay over for a little bit. It doesn't mean, you know, well, we're just going to go camping just for a little bit. We're just going to pitch a tent here and, you know, take in the scenic uh, uh, views just for a little bit and then pack up and be on our way. It's not just going over for a visit. Jesus is telling us something here about abiding. It means moving in to stay. You're not going anywhere. And he says, if, if you abide in me, if you have moved in to stay, and my words are abiding in you, they have moved in to stay, ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. Think about that. Whatever you wish. I love this because Jesus even says like, ask, ask, whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. Jesus wants us to ask. He's asking us to ask. You ever think about that? He, he's asking you to ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What does he mean by this? Well, Jesus is saying that as we are abiding in him, allowing his words to have influence and power in our lives, he is asking us to ask those things to come to pass. You see, it's not just so much like we, like we have blank checks and we're like, okay, God, I want a Ferrari and I want this and I want that and I want that. That's not prayer, Okay. As his words are abiding in you, they have power and they have influence. And they're making a change in your life. They're coming in to stay. They're abiding. And God is doing a transformative power in your life. And you begin then to ask God, God, I see the sin. God, I see the problems in my heart. God, I see where I'm failing. And you begin to ask, God, I want you to do this in my life. And what does he say? Ask, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done unto you. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now, wow, that's interesting to think about. That God had already pre-planned this relationship in prayer with him. You ever think about that? Look at this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. What did he appoint us for? That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he may give it to you. In Philippians 1.6, we're reminded about that he who began a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. In Romans 8, we're, we read about the fact that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. 
God already has it all planned out, and He has already appointed these things to happen in our lives. So what does He want us to do? He wants to get our wills in alignment with His will, and so that we're asking God to conform our will to His will. And when we do that, what will He do? Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. Here's the last one here, John 16, 23 through 24. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So as you can see, Jesus really emphasizes a prayer relationship with the Father here. He wants us to come to him because there's this connection to God through Jesus, and we come to God through Jesus in prayer because we are connected there through that relationship. There's no restrictions on who can ask. I think so many times we think that only the professional Christians, you know what those are? You know what the professional Christians are? Me. We think only the professional Christians can really get through to God. But there's no limit. God says whoever, anyone comes to him through Jesus Christ and they can ask whatever, God will hear them and he will answer them. Also, there's no limitation as to what kind of thing we could ask for. Now, if we look at these promises, do not think that it's just asking for all kinds of things. You know, we got our, like, wish list. I remember as a kid uh, growing up, the um, probably right, it was usually right around this time, you know, come home from school, you get the mail, and there would be the catalog from Toys R Us. Whoa, man, this is so cool, right? And then I'd take that in my room, and I'd be looking through it, and I'd start circling things. Boy, I'd really like to have that. Boy, I'd really like to have that, too. And I'd have this whole list of things that I really wanted to have. God is not talking about these lists of things. It's about conforming our will to his will. And we come to know that will through the word of God. And so prayer is not extracting these favors from a hesitant God. Prayer is oneness and purpose. Remember, it's not my will, but your will be done. God is in heaven, Jesus is seated at his side, and when we come to him asking God to work in our lives, to perform the very thing that God so desires to be at work in our lives, Jesus is right there and he says, Father, will you do this? Will you do this? He's one of my sheep. You gave him to me. He follows me. I know him. He knows my voice. Father, will you do this in his life? And God begins to work an amazing way. Now, I want to give you something to think about with these promises before I give you to some how-to things. Because I think when we look at these promises of prayer, who was Jesus speaking to? He wasn't speaking to the crowds. He was speaking to his disciples. And one of the things that he talked about ever before talking about these things about prayer is a verse that I think will really help us understand the connection here 
between what God says about prayer, our relationship, and how God works through all of it, having this desire to pray. So here it is, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, now this is ever before he talked about these things about prayer. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Uh, we find that Luke adds uh, the word daily there, and follow me. So if you take all these promises, these six promises that we just looked about prayer, and if we can group them all together, and then if we were to, to uh, filter them, if you will, through this verse, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. What's interesting about this is that Jesus talks about this, and what does he mean here? It means that there is an aspect of our relationship with Jesus being a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And when we become a, a fully devoted follower of Jesus, these prayer promises become very dynamic. They become very real. I have in my office a book, and it, it's called Not a Fan. Not a fan, but... Not a yay fan, right? Okay. And basically, the, 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 the premise of the book is talking about that Jesus wants followers. He doesn't want fans. There's a lot of fans of Jesus, but there's not a lot of followers of Jesus. And when we are truly devoted to the Lord and we're truly devoted to following him, being a disciple, these prayer promises take on a whole new meaning. Because it's no longer about wanting what I want. It becomes more about following Jesus and wanting what he wants in my life. So look at this, for, look at this statement Jesus makes. If anyone would come after me, this has purpose behind it. It's more than just these casual followers. It's being fully immersed. Not looking back. It's being in, in total pursuit of Jesus Christ. Desiring him above everything else. If anybody comes after me, he says, think about those words, to come after Jesus. Everything that is in Jesus, all wisdom, all power, all knowledge, everything that is in Jesus, you're coming after it. It's a hot pursuit after him. And you're coming after him. It's, having, it's wanting the, the power to bring about his plan and purpose in our lives. But also coming after Jesus means times in the wilderness. If we're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, many times that means that there are going to be times where our friends are not going to really want to be around us anymore. If following after Jesus means sometimes that our family is not going to want to be around us anymore. Sometimes that means that we're going to be alone. No doubt there is going to be a Gethsemane. There's going to be a time where we are struggling for our will to be overrided by God's will, just as Jesus prayed in the garden. 
Not my will, but your will be done. And no doubt, it's also going to include a crucifixion where we learn how to die to self, where we learn how to allow God's word take root in our heart and to transform us. And we die to self. And we allow Jesus Christ to reign supremely in our lives. Do we really want to follow him? Do we really want to come after him? Or are we comfortable with what we have? You see, these words are just so powerful because he tells his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And so if we truly live our lives according to Matthew 16, 24, we'll find ourselves asking God to work specifically in our hearts and to accomplish his will, and he will do it. Now, if you just look at Jesus' life as he lived this out, he said, he said this, he says, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. He also said many times there was a lot of nots, a lot of negatives that Jesus said. For example, he said, not my will, not my works, not my words, right? It was always about the Father. Jesus gave us a pattern of life here on earth that is about doing the Father's will and praying for God to work and see God's power unleashed. This is how we pray. And if we follow Jesus' words and live according to what he says, having the right relationship, then his purpose becomes my purpose. His wants become my wants. His desires become my desires to do the things that please him. And then these promises become very effective then to accomplish God's purpose. You ask anything, anything, and it will be done. Now let me give you some how-tos, and these will be very quickly. Now, if you only take these and you're like, okay, I got this how-to pray thing figured out, but you totally miss this thing about your relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you got the cart before the horse. And all this is is just basically just doing all these things, right? It's just trying to work up prayer, okay? That's not what this is about. This is about your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So let me give you some methods of prayer, the how-to pray guide here, okay? First of all, know God's purpose and make his purpose your prayer. How are we going to know God's purpose? By spending time in the word of God and allowing his purpose to become our purpose, and we make that our prayer, Secondly, make time for prayer. You got to make time. This is all about the sacrifice, right? All of us in here are busy. We all got things we got to do, but you got to make a specific time for prayer. You got to put the effort in and you got to make time for prayer. Secondly, make, or thirdly, make a place for prayer. Jesus talked about going into your prayer closet and shutting the door. Now, you don't necessarily have to have a physical closet to go into. But there needs to be a place where you can shut out everything else and only focus in on what God says. And it's your communication with him. So make a place for prayer. Fourthly, use God's word for prayer. I think this is so important. If you read throughout scripture, you see all these things in scripture about these prayers. Especially if you read through the epistles. Man, you start reading Paul's prayers that he prays for the church, prays for these believers at certain churches. Wow, they're full of substance. I mean, they're just powerful things. You should make those prayers your prayers. Uh, I'm going to share a little something. Diana 
She, uh, she was talking to my wife about using Scripture to pray. Now, we didn't tell her that. But she saw that there's a connection between Scripture and prayer. And she has written out prayers, scriptural prayers that she prays. I think that's awesome. That's fantastic. Because what are we doing? Boy, we're allowing God's word to have an influence on our lives where we want what he wants now. So use God's word for prayer. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you to pray. Man, this is good. We should allow the Holy Spirit to teach us to pray. You know, there's not certain words that are going to woo God. I think that's why Jesus said, he said, don't be like the hypocrites. You know, they stand in the sides of places and they, they think God is going to hear them for their much speaking, all these wonderful words, right? Like it's not all these flowery words that, that God, God's over there like, oh, wow, would you listen to that prayer? Man, I am for sure going to answer that one. Doesn't do that. You should allow the Holy Spirit to teach you how to pray. That's, in fact, what Romans 8 tells us. It says that we have these groanings that are too deep for words, right? The Holy Spirit is moving in our hearts, and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us to pray, to say the things that God wants us to say. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. I mean, that's what Jesus said, right? He says, I'm sending a, a comforter. I'm sending a paraclete. I'm sending a helper to come and help you. He's going to teach you all things. He will guide you into all truth. So ask the Holy Spirit to teach you to pray. Pray in Jesus' name. Prayer must be in Jesus' name. Why? Because John 14, 13. <clears throat> Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And so we should pray in Jesus' name. And lastly, pray in faith. Prayer must be in faith. Faith is not believing that God can, but that he will. It is asking in prayer and thanking God for what he will do. And how will we know what God will do? Well, he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We already know that God has a picture of what he wants to do in our lives. He wants to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So what are we asking for in prayer? We should be asking specific things that God tells us in his word to be accomplished in our lives. It's bending, it's putting our will under his will and allowing our will to be conformed to his will. So with all of that, let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.